myself situated in the corner, which is not new for my life. The only thing that's odd is I'm facing a different direction than normal, so this will be different for me, but that's okay. Again, we're doing this to help um, be able to catch the image a little bit better. Uh, as we get started this morning, I, I want to start uh, by praying with you. So would you just uh, bow your heads? Uh, God, I got a story to tell this morning that I think is important. And I think uh, there are others that are probably in, in the same place where they've been there. So I just ask that you would meet us in this time, that your presence would be felt here, and that you would move. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've told this story a few times now, and I felt it necessary each time I started to say this. Please don't check out early. Especially if you're listening at home, it's easy to click away. Don't. I need you to hear the whole story. Uh, one of the things I think God has made me to do over the years is uh, he's given me the ability to look ahead. I don't know why I'm always looking ahead, just looking down the road. And back in uh, February, I was looking down the road. I was digesting everything I could on COVID. And two weeks before everything hit the fan, I actually sat down with my staff and I said, save your money. It's about to get dicey. And I don't know what's going to happen with church because I can see bad stuff coming, but I can't see much further than that. And uh, two weeks before this all hit the fan, I, I had already gone and bought some extra food. I got a couple things wrong. I missed the frenzy on toilet paper, right? <laughs> that was insane. Didn't see that coming. And the other thing that I didn't see coming was how long and how wide the disruption was going to be. Had no idea that it would be that much. And, and the problem is, um, habits are formed in 30 days. So when you go for this amount of period of time and you change so many things, you don't know what you're gonna end up with after it's all been altered. And I'm looking at this in the life of the church, going, man, things have really changed. March um, came and March and April were weird. They were just weird months. Our daycare dwindled down to 14 kids. We had no services at the church. And we were doing all of our messages on me looking at a camera the whole time. And after a few weeks of that, I determined I hated it. Like, I didn't have the skills for it. And I, I was actually trying to figure out what I had to do to get better at it. But I kind of didn't want to because I didn't like it. Um, and so, I, this stuff started to stir in me. There had been some stuff that had been going on for a while, um, but my wife and I had talked about, and mostly when I say that, it was me talking to my wife. She wasn't, we, we had talked about a business that maybe I would start someday. And uh, during the month of April, as I really disliked how things were unfolding and realizing, man, I don't like this medium. I don't want to be involved in this. I did not become a pastor to talk to a camera. And there were no people to talk with, and I started going, maybe I need to do something else. And so I had this business idea that had been mulling around in my head, and, um, it, and we pulled it out. And I started going full tilt on it, and I developed a business plan, I had a conversation with a bank, I figured out that the financing would be pretty extreme. I, I would have to collateralize all my investments, I'd have to put my house on the line, and we'd have to use our savings as a burn rate for six months to make this fly. So um, we had figured out all of this, and uh, I decided I would go run this idea by a few friends. 
And so I sat down with him and I said, look, I'm not really um, thrilled about where this is going, but I have this other idea that I think is a really good idea. It's just, it's a big risk. And I laid it out for him. And my one friend said, man, I think it's a great idea, but you'd be crazy not to run this yourself. Like if you do this, well, the amount that you're risking to put that in the hands of somebody else, it would be a huge mistake. You either have to live or die on your effort. And that kind of fit my scenario because in the back of my mind, I thought that was the best case. That this was my time to kind of leave and do something else and that, that would fit the scenario. I talked to another friend um, who did some stuff in the same industry and he looked at that and he goes, it's a great idea. Your timing's terrible. All the people that you need to talk to, because it's a new idea, you'd have to have face-to-face -face conversations. And they're not talking with us face-to-face. -face. He, he, he's still in that kind of business, and he's still not gone back and seen his clients face-to-face. -face. He goes, you'll never make a new idea fly without that. So we shelved that. But what had gotten stirred up in that whole process was a conversation that Tracy and I had had over the years about when was the right time for me to leave Waypoint. I think um, churches have made big mistakes over the years with not transitioning to younger leaders faster than they should. And I decided that was not going to be my legacy. I was going to find a way to do this quicker, to do this um, more efficiently. And, and so we found ourselves now having a conversation about whether the time was right for me to leave. And um, in years past, whenever we've had this conversation, um, my wife, who many of you know, is all like sweet. And she is sweet, but she's also tough, right? And every time we've had one of those conversations, it's not gone well. Um, she's pushed back pretty hard. And, uh, and this time was different. And she said, well, maybe, maybe the time is right. Because I know, um, I know you're not engaging with this new thing. Um, let's may it come back. Uh, our governor let us meet. And so the daycare started rolling back up by beginning of June, we were full in the daycare again, but only 20% of Waypoint had returned to in attendance and everybody else was still uh, they weren't around. And so I was like, man, I just don't know. This doesn't feel right. There, everything is so upside down. This could be a good time to transition and to get out of the way. The one problem, um, my wife was working at the hospital at the time, and she was working a lot. She was working weekends. She was, and so we didn't have a lot of time to talk about this and until God gave us a gift on June 26th. I was diagnosed with COVID. Um, now what that meant was that Tracy was now exposed to a COVID positive person and she wasn't allowed to go to work. And she was like cheering, right? And I was like, stop the dancing, what's happening here? She's like, I'm getting paid for this. So I started dancing, right? Um, so she knew she had 10 days off and they decided we don't want you working from home either. So she looked at me and she said, you were 14, I was 10, all right? And she said, listen, let's take this time to come up with a plan. Let's talk about this. And that's what we did. Uh, we started praying together each day. We started reading together each day. We started talking about our future every day. And we had the time to do it. 
In fact, um, we didn't just read together. I had a lot of time to read, and I did something that I hadn't done. I don't know, it had been years. I, I read a book for pleasure. I, I tend to read, to think, or to learn. But I picked up a book that somebody had given me a while ago, and I was like, I'm just going to read this for the fun of it. It was about, it was a true story. It was about a Muslim guy who uh, befriended a Christian in college and decided he was going to help convert him to Islam. And in the process of that, he came to Jesus. And the end of the story was bizarre. He had three dreams which convinced him that he should leave Islam and become a Christian. And I had no idea that Muslims put so much stock in dreams. And he used their own Islamic material to interpret his dreams to tell him he should leave Islam. I was like fascinated by the whole thing. Kind of blew me away, right? But all the rest of my reading was about people who were trying to figure out what all of these changing trends meant. And so I was reading stuff in the business world, I was reading stuff in the church, and the stuff I was reading was difficult. These were friends of the church. These were church leaders. And they were saying things like this. Based on what we see, we think 50% of the people who attended church in the US will stop and will not return to church after this is all over. They're just done. They said, we think um, a trend that has been in place has just been sped up. That churches used to be a physical place that had a digital presence, but they're gonna need to become a digital place where you sometimes have a physical presence. Your virtual connections will increase, your face-to-face -face connections will decrease, and that's just gonna be the way church is. And I read all of that, and I hated it. Like, I, um, I, I did not want to have anything to do with that new world that they were describing. And um, I would have told you at the time, I think I understand it different right now, I would have told you I developed an attitude at the time. But really, all that happened was an attitude that I'd been carrying for a little while became cemented in me and came to the forefront. And I think the best way to describe that attitude uh, would be this song that these guys are about to play.
now, that is exactly the way I felt about this whole digital thing and where things they said was trending and going. And I just determined I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to take it. It's not, it's not that I hate the digital stuff. One, I don't think I have the skills for it. I don't think I completely understand it. I'm not opposed to it. I just think there are so many downsides that people are not talking about, that they're not clear on, they're not protecting themselves from, that it's become a risk. And I think um, our headlong rush into this world is not going to make us healthier because we're sacrificing these face-to-face -face interaction that God made us to have. And so I looked at all of that and I said, I, I don't want a part of it. And this attitude um, grew in me and Tracy and I have been praying. We've been praying and we felt like God had been silent in all of this and that what he was giving us permission to do was to use our minds, to use our gifts, and to make a decision. And I felt like I was clear as a bell. Like when I, when I finally developed this full-blown, I'm not taking this thing. I'm not going down this road. The decision in my mind was easy. It was clear. And so I, I remember the day exactly on July 2nd. I looked at Tracy and said, I think I've made my mind up. I'm leaving Waypoint. And uh, this was the first time ever she looked back at me and said, I'm with you. I think the timing seems right. I understand where you're at right now. We've gone through this process. God's been silent. Um, but we did one thing. We prayed and we said, listen, um, God, uh, we've just made a decision. And you can veto this decision. But uh, we're pretty determined to do this, and we're heading down this road, and we just want you to know this. And when I say we're pretty determined, I would tell you that as a character trait, it's one of God's gifts to me that's also kind of been a weakness at times. I can be determined despite the facts, right? Some people call that stubbornness. I don't. It doesn't sound as good. I call it determined despite the facts, right? And so I kind of said to God, you can turn this over if you want, but really, I've given you time to speak. You did it. I'm going to go do this. And so let's go down this road. Um, the next day, felt that peace with that decision. Uh, Tracy got sick Saturday morning. I was supposed to go back to work Monday, but we didn't know if she had COVID, so I didn't know if I was allowed. And we got her tested Monday afternoon. She was negative. I found out I'm very horrible with COVID. I didn't spread it to anybody. I'm a failure. Sorry. Um, but on Tuesday, I returned to work. And I had an errand to run um, for Waypoint that morning. And before I went out on that errand, I got a phone call from somebody who kind of um, they had a conversation with me that I wasn't expecting. it, And it was about the business. And I realized that there was a segment of it that I had never considered. And so maybe... I should go back and consider doing that. And so that was back on the table in my mind. I went and did the errand, and as I was finishing doing the errand, I got another phone call. Except this was a kind of a different phone call. I hadn't talked to this person in a little while. Um, I hadn't talked to them about anything going on with my personal life in a really long time. And I thought when I answered the phone, what I was gonna be doing is just catching up with them. Um, so I answered, and the phone call started pretty weird, right? Um, she said, Blair, I'm calling because I think God's asked me to give you a message and I'm calling just to be obedient. 
And I was like, okay, I've, I've been in this role for a while, and I've had a lot of people tell me what they think God wants me to do, right? And generally, the way I look at it is I think God has a relationship with me, and he can tell me what to do. And you can, but like people tell me because they don't want to do it. So I was like, okay, but I'll hear her out. Like, what do you have to say? And then she said, I had a dream about you, right? So now my skepticism gets doubled, right? Because she could have had bad pizza the night before. We don't know what's going on here. But I'm like, okay, um, I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit. I think I said something like, I hope I'm alive at the end of this dream or something like that. And uh, she kind of just blew that off and said, look, I don't know what it means. I'm going to tell you what I had and you can do with it whatever you want. I said, okay, let's go for it. She said, um, Blair, in my dream, I walked into um, a white room. Uh, she goes, I think there's a door. That's how I got there, but I didn't see a door. The walls are white. The floor is white. The ceiling is white. There's a white table. There's a white chair. There are no windows in this room. It was the only thing in color that was in this room was you. And I don't know how I knew, but I knew that you were agonizing over a decision that you had to make in your life. Creepy alert, right? Like, you're like, whoa, this is very odd. And she said, I decided that I wanted to talk to you about that. So as I approached you, God interrupted me and said, just tell him not to take option number one. She goes, that's it. I don't have anything else. Um, I had this dream two weeks ago, which would have been right before we got sick with COVID. And she goes, God's been prompting me to tell you, but I just kept forgetting. But today I knew I had to make this call. And I, you know, we talked for a little bit, I hung up. I called Tracy and I said, um, something odd just happened. Like, I, I don't know what to think about it. Um, I, would, I would easily discount this really quickly, except the timing is so weird and I think God uses weird timing and so I don't know what to think about any of this. We had a brief conversation, we didn't draw any conclusions. And uh, I, I went to work. Um, the, the conversation was under my skin though. And so that day I called three people. I called three people that knew me well, that loved Jesus, and I knew would be skeptical of all of this dream stuff, right? Because I needed to get this thing discounted because it was pretty wacky. And all three of them who I knew what they would say didn't say what I thought they would say. They said, the timing is too weird, Blair. She didn't have an agenda, all she did was present what God had um, given her, and she was being obedient in the process. This is really risky if you choose not to listen to this. This is danger territory for you. And I was like, oh, God, that's not what I expected, right? So I went home that night, and I talked with Tracy about it, and we realized we um, didn't come to any conclusions that night except for one. And we decided that um, we remembered that prayer that we said, God, if you want to veto this, you can. And we said it's possible that God's not being silent anymore. And if he's not being silent anymore, then we've got to be careful in this situation. But we have no idea what this means. We have no idea what this means. The next day I went to work, um, didn't think about it much. I got home and Tracy had. She'd actually called the lady who had talked to me 
and she had notes. <laughs> she had notes that she had taken on this conversation. And she had me sit down at the dining room table and she starts going through some stuff and she said, Blair, when I was talking to her, I got interrupted and I had to hang up and call her back. And when I called back, she said to me, hey, Tracy, when you hung up, God told me to tell you, you know what this dream means. You just have to have the courage to say it. Like, you know, you know. And I was like, oh, incredible. My wife's now a dream interpreter, right? <laughs> tell me what the dream means, dream genie, right? When you have an attitude like that song, you get snarky. Just, it's part of what happens, right? And I said, what does a dream mean? And she goes, well, it's one of two things. One, it's the business idea. Um, the business idea had to do with some sanitation, some cleaning stuff. And so she said, man, the whole thing's white. It could be that. She said, but Blair, I've been thinking about this. And it's a white room. There's, you know, mission. The mission of Waypoint is pretty pure. And the room didn't have any windows, and our auditorium doesn't have windows. And it had a white table in it, and we have white tables. And she goes, I, I think this could be Waypoint. And I heard the words could, right? I heard the words could, not that it was. And I said, well, here's what we know for sure then. We know for sure that in either one of those scenarios, it's not the business. So we can conclude that the business is the problem, and we can put that one to rest. We shouldn't do the business. And I think that this dream has accomplished its thing. Let's move on. I'm going to have to find a different job. I'm going to have to do something else. But it has nothing to do with my job at Waypoint. So that night we called um, one of my sons. His name is Hezekiah. And we kind of laid out for him what was going on, everything that we had gone through. And I told him that I concluded that this had to do with the business. And he, he just pushed back and he goes, why do you think that has to do with the business? I said, well, I, I just gave you the reasons. I'll go through it again. He goes, no, 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 Dad. Um, she said that you were agonizing over a decision. Were you agonizing over this business decision? I said, well, it was a big risk. I had to take a big risk. And he goes, yeah, I know. But we both know you. We're, I mean, big risks get you excited, and he's not wrong. I thought that would be a cool thing to put all of that stuff on the table and go all in. So that wasn't a challenge for me. He goes, honestly, I think the big risk, the thing that you don't want to face is that this was about waypoint because that's the only thing that you've been agonizing about over the last few months. And I don't think you're willing to be honest about that. So we hung up. I mean, we got done. He's young. What does he know? Right? Um, I, he, what he didn't understand, like he just couldn't figure out, is that I didn't want to do it anymore. Right? And so I, I don't know what was wrong with these people that I kept talking to. I was making it clear I didn't want to do the job anymore, and they weren't listening very well. And so I just figured, you know, what does he know? Um, went through another day. On Friday morning, I got another idea. I finally figured out somebody who would see my point of view. Um, we had hired a church consultant a couple years ago to help us get a little more organized and be more effective in ministry. And I decided to call him because I was violating one of our key principles. And one of the principles is if you don't want the job, you shouldn't be in the job. Like if you don't want it, you shouldn't do it. And so I called him and I laid this all out and I said, listen, I don't want to do this. So you agree with me that I shouldn't, right? And he said to me, 
<laughs> he said to me, how do you know you don't want the job? And I was like, were you not listening? I just gave you all of these details on the trends in church and all of the stuff that's going on. What's, this is what's happening. And he's like, Blair, my question isn't whether that stuff is happening or not. The question is, if this is happening, then your role and everybody else's role is changing. So I want to know what changing role that you've just given up on, you've passed on. And I said, I have no idea what the changing role is. I haven't even thought about it. And he said to me, well, shouldn't you be doing your job? And I was like, what is happening here? Let's bring this back to ground zero, buddy. I don't want to do the job. If I don't want to do the job, I should leave, right? You can't lead something if you won't lead it well. And he said to me, listen, I don't understand what's all happening right now. I don't understand the dream. I don't understand all parts of it. Here's what I think. I don't think God's done with you yet. And if he's not done with you yet, you should do your job and lead. Okay, that was, I hung up annoyed. And I'm being nice about it. I was super annoyed. And it morphed into being ticked pretty fast. I'm in the office, nobody else is around, and I, I'm, I am, I'm walking back and forth, um, talking to myself, talking to God, and I realize I, I need to have a conversation with God about this, because his people are not listening very well. I've been very clear about not wanting this, and they're giving me feedback that doesn't make any sense at all. And so um, I ended up in this conversation with God where I, was, I said, listen, just bottom line this. Name me one person who's been in my situation where they didn't want to do it, and you thought it was a good idea that they still did it, and it turned out okay for everybody. Name one. Right? I was obviously not thinking very well because the Bible is full of them, right? This, this was a trap that I didn't understand exactly. Um, but I was upset at the time, so give me some grace. But the Holy Spirit brought one word to mind, and it was immediate. Jonah. I was like, whoa, that, that is a messed up story. That is a guy who was capable of going to Nineveh. In fact, when he did, that whole town turned to God. He just didn't want to. And when he didn't want to, he went away in such a way that God had to do some stuff to grab his attention. And I was like, wow, are you suggesting that I'm like Jonah? And he said, your attitude is. And if you want to write a story that's the story of Jonah, you'll keep going. Or if you want to back down, then you can listen to what I've been trying to say. Because Blair, you offered me veto. I took it, and you didn't like it. And unless you're willing to listen to what I have to say on this, you're gonna end up writing a story that you're not gonna like. And um, July 10th, remember the day. July 10th, I was in the office by myself, about 11.30, uh, when I asked God for forgiveness. When I asked him to uh, forgive me for uh, the attitude that I um, developed and then had dug in with. And I realized that um, for me, uh, my time at Waypoint is not over. Uh, this is not a
permanent assignment for me. In fact, I'm convinced that every ministry assignment is a temporary one. I serve at the behest of the Spirit, and I move around based on what He wants. And what happens too many times is people get comfortable in their roles, and they do it for their own safety, their own security, their own comfort, and these are, these are not meant to be permanent roles. Uh, we serve and we move as we're required. But for the next season of my life, um, this, is, this is what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna help Waypoint develop a digital, a digital um, wave that comes from us that's gonna be different uh, than what you maybe see in other places because I still believe firmly that you have to have face-to-face -face interactions with each other for us to be the church, for us to actually do this. Listen, my story is evidence of it. Because I had people who knew me well, I was able to call them and talk with them. And because they had known me well over a period of time, they were able to speak into my life in a way that I couldn't have gotten if it was just a virtual conversation with somebody. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that I've been surprised at as I've told this story to other people, I've been surprised that I'm not the only one who's currently living this story. I think there are a lot of people who have gone through this season in our lives, and there's some who are angry, there's some who are sad, there are some who are disappointed, and it's caused a lot of different reactions from them. And most of them have caused them to withdraw from the church, which was I was about to do. If you're not going to do it the way I want to do it, then I'm not in. And we've lost sight of the fact that church, what we do together, is not a consumer-based thing. It's not this thing where I come and get what I want, and if I don't, I go somewhere else. It's a place where you come and you give the gifts that you have to each other in a way that makes it a community dynamic and unified in communicating the message of Jesus to the world. That's who we are. Yeah. And when we lose that, we lose who we are. I'm convinced that there are those of us who are still angry, still hurt, still disappointed by how things have gone. And if you're not careful, your story will be the story of Jonah and not the one that God wants to write with your life. Uh, there's a verse in Jonah that I want to read that impacted me after I was through all of this. And I want you to understand, um, Jonah is in the belly of a fish. He's uh, finally come to his senses that he's going to listen to what God has to say and he's going to do it. And I want you to hear what he says because I'm hoping that this will be the heart cry of many of us. He says... In verse 9 of chapter 2, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. My decision to do what I need to do will be a sacrifice for the sake of your name. What I have vowed, I will make good. I'm a prophet. I said I would be a prophet. I'm going to go and be a prophet. I'm going to do what I told you I would do. And then he says this, I will say... Salvation comes from the Lord. I'm going to go tell all of these people this truth. Listen, the mission of Waypoint is simple. Uh, we want to be a place that helps people adjust their course toward Christ. 
And I want you to know our mission is not done. Today we have 15 people who are getting baptized. We have close to 11 kids who are getting dedicated. They're, the mission of the church goes on. And some of you may have to withdraw for your safety. You're in age categories, you're in groupings where you need to be a part. But even then, we're going to start offering you ways to find a way to safely re-engage. And I'm telling you, it's time for you to do that. And those of you others who've just been upset, disappointed, sad, angry about what's going on, it's time to stop and come back and fulfill the mission of the church. This is who we are. I had to learn it. I don't think I'm the only one. So come on this journey with me. And we're going to see where God takes us. There's some exciting stuff ahead. I don't know what it all is. But I know he didn't keep me around to, to play status quo. And so we're going to go. And we're going to figure some stuff out. And I hope you come on that journey with us. Can I pray with you real quick? God, when Jonah realized that all of his actions would be an act of sacrifice to you, that he would fulfill his words, his commitment, his service to you, God, I ask that you would make that true for those of us here as well. You've given us gifts, you've given us skills, you've given us passions in life that you mean to see fulfilled together in a body. And I ask that you would help us to be committed to that, to allowing our church to hold up a message of unity that our world desperately needs right now. But it's not possible to do if a lot of us are walking around with an attitude of, I'm not going to take it anymore. So I ask that you would deal with hearts and minds, that you would bring us back to the mission that we're on, that you would energize us and move us forward as we follow you. We love you. May you change the direction of our lives and our church as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Church,